0: What's up, team? This is Transform the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Hintler Jr., and I'm ready to get into another episode. Listen, y'all know how we do. Our areas of focus deal with relationships that we have as pastors and ministers. But more importantly, I like to address the area of ethics, our ethical code. I believe that if we develop the right code in life, how we manage those relationships will improve. Today, I'm excited because I have a brother and a friend who will help us today address how we manage or how we approach our relationships with the community. He is none other than Pastor Byron Cogdell out of Daytona Beach, Florida. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm, I'm doing pretty good, bro. Let me tell you, bro, it is such um, an honor. <laughs> and and I, I don't say this lightly, but it is such an honor, bro, to to have you as a guest. I've watched you for a while now. Um, you know, your transformation, um, your growth, Um, I've known you for a long time from a distance, so I'm excited to get into this interview, bro. But tell the people, bro, a little bit about yourself, man, where you're from, anything that you want to share as far as your family and your church. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, again, my name is Byron. I am uh, from Fayetteville,
1: North Carolina, born and raised there. I spent um, 17 years there. And then uh, when I turned 17, or actually as I was turning 18, moved to Daytona Beach, Florida to attend Bethune-Cookman University, the great Bethune-Cookman University. Um, and I, I basically came down on a band scholarship. At that time, band was my life. I didn't care about much else than band and music. That's all I cared about. So coming to Bethune allowed for me the uh, opportunity to be a part of one of the nation's best bands and also uh, pursue music um, as I was wanting to be a, a music engineer, a recording engineer at the time, a music producer. So, um, started my journey in adulthood that way. And, um, man, typical, I won't say typical childhood, but, but, um, a decent childhood, you know, I, I, uh, grew up in a family, um, of Christ followers and and believers in Christ. I went to church, I did all that type of stuff. I was involved in clubs, you know, all, I played sports, I did all that stuff. Um, and then when I came to college, um, I realized like being on my own, I had to really zero in on who I was and what I desired most. And what, I, what that always came back to was uh, band for a while and music for a while, but then it also came back to like um, achievement, significance, success, right? So I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be known as someone who was successful. I wanted to accomplish a lot. And um, that kind of pushed me through my time at Bethune-Cookman. Um, I graduated with a degree in mass comm uh, public relations and advertising and the Lord blessed me, uh, with a professional job right out of college. i say right out of maybe four months out of college. Um, my first job was at Halifax health. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And you know about Halifax health too. Um, my first job was at Halifax health, but I was the, the PR, um, person at Halifax health and the spokesman for the hospital. So here I am 23 years old. 23 year old black man is a spokesman for the largest healthcare center at the time in the city. And um, I probably shouldn't, been, shouldn't have been there. Like, like looking back on it, there's probably no reason why I, I should have been there, but uh, it was all a part of the Lord's plan. So here I am, 23 years old. You know, I'm on one hand, I'm like living my life. Like this is the first time I've been on my own. I'm get I got money. My car is paid for by God's grace. You know I'm living in an apartment. I'm I'm, I'm you know I've moved out to Ormond, so I think I'm doing something. Uh, you know that that's one side of it. And on the other side of it, I'm going to board meetings with millionaires who are asking me my thoughts on marketing and public relations. And um, I remember there was this big wreck at NASCAR uh, at the Speedway for Daytona 500, and I. I was a spokesman, so ESPN, CNN, uh, Fox News, everybody's calling me, and I'm 24 years old. And it just kind of hits me like, yo, like, you made it on some level. Like, you've made it. At a very early age in life, too. At a very early age, um, but at the same time, like, while I was seeing a little bit of success in my professional life, and I started kind of dreaming about what that would lead to, my personal life and my spiritual life was like a wreck. Okay. So I grew up in the church, uh, like I said before, but I wouldn't say that I was following Jesus at any point.
0: Mm-hmm. I wouldn't
1: say that I had a relationship with Jesus at any point. I love church culture. I love being in the church. I, you know, play instruments. I, I sang. I did oratorical contests. I did all of that. I was an usher. I, was a, I did everything. Yeah. Um, but church was just an opportunity for me to connect with people, to be around family, and and to to kind of use my gifts yeah. Um, and at at uh, at some point, um, actually, it was 2012, July, um, um, July 27, 2012. The Lord just wrecked my heart. I had come back from a meeting. I'm sitting on my couch I'm by myself, and I felt like the Lord was saying, "Why are you running from me?" Mm. And and I just, bro, I just cried <laughs> like I wept for like two hours. That thing got personal. Oh, it, it got real, real fast, right? Um, and I knew that for the last year or so, I have been struggling in so many places. I was struggling mentally. I was struggling spiritually. I was struggling relationally. Um, but from the outside looking in, I looked okay. Like nobody would have known that except for God. Yeah. Except for God. Yeah. Um, so he wrecked my heart that night. And all I could say was, I've been trying to do it my way. I'll try to do it your way. Um, and I accepted Christ into my heart that night, took two days off of work, read the Bible for two days. And that Wednesday I went to church. Um, I went to a church that was right down the street from me and I just walked in and was like, yo, I got saved on Monday. Like, what do I do? Right. And, um, the answer wasn't really a good answer, but I didn't care at the time. They were just like, yo, here's some, here's some, uh, um, like programs. Can you hand these out to people? (laughs) I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and that just kind of began me in ministry, man. I, uh, I began doing everything I could around the church. Like, I knew one thing from the beginning was if I was going to follow Christ, I wanted to serve the church. Yeah. And I know that's not everybody's story, but that was a huge part of my story. Right. Um, there's a lot more elements to that. I don't know if you want me to keep going, but that's kind of like...
0: The floor, <laughs> the floor is yours, bro. You know, I, I've been, like I said, I, I've been watching you for a, lot, a while and I wanted to see or hear the backstory of that transformation. Because my first impression of you was, I mean, I knew you at Cookman. When I knew that lifestyle or um, what was going on there, I knew that you was a drum major. Uh, I knew that you played, so I knew that Byron. And then what? when I saw you at Halifax, I'm not sure if I was working in the operating room at the time or um, maybe in the kitchen. But either way, I see this young black man walking through the hallways, and I said, that's, that's Byron. He's walking, and he works here. I don't know what he does. I, you know, I don't know how much he makes, but he's someone, to me, who is someone who has integrity. Um, just from looking from the outside, so he, he seems like a, a good representation um, of not just black men, but just men in general. You're young. Um, you're successful. You know, you're someone who, who can lead others. And I became drawn to you. I said, this is someone who I really need to, to pay attention to. You know, so I kind of started zooming in on your life. In the trajectory of your life, because working at Halifax, like you said, it is really at the time it was the biggest hospital. It was all that we knew in Daytona Beach. Sure. Um, so, so I saw that success for you, and then this transformation where you not popped up, but I knew that God had called you to to leadership or to plan in the church. So, mm-hmm. so let's get into it. You, you planted this church in Daytona Beach, Florida, or Mid? Or, mm-hmm. You're very specific with, with Midtown, right? yeah yeah yeah. So, so answer me this what led you to to planting the church um and why midtown why midtown Daytona yeah yeah so uh man that's a funny story as well so um to kind of progress from where we were
1: uh earlier, I just man I love the church I wanted to serve the church in whatever way possible I did not want to be a church leadership though mm-hmm. like I mean I grew again I grew up in the church and i I have respect for pastors, but that's not what I wanted to do, like, (laughs) I could that guy did not look like me. He didn't look like the people I hung out with. He didn't look like, he didn't talk the way I talk. Mm -hmm. None of that type of stuff. And and on top of that, my grandfather was a pastor uh, for 63 years and he pastored the same church for 58 years. Mm -hmm. And I love my grandfather. Um, And I felt like I didn't want to step into something and not do it as well as I saw him do it. You know what I'm saying? So I just never wanted to be a pastor. Um, when it came out to it, I just said, "Yo, I want people to know what's in here, um, and specifically men. Like I wanted to disciple men and share the gospel. Like I, I used to tell my wife, like I just want to grow my beard out and, and preach the gospel. Like, yeah. That's it. Two things. And then over time, the Lord, in His sovereignty, He starts throwing you in places where you get to live out what He's calling me to. Yeah. Right." So I began to be in rooms where people were like, yo, Byron, can you lead this study? I'm like, sure. Or yo, Byron, can you, can you lead this group tonight? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yo, Byron, can you speak at this? Can you do that? And the Lord started using that to kind of stir my heart up about uh, pastoral ministry. And uh, again, I still didn't want to be a pastor. And then he started getting me in relationships with people where they would open up. And I had an opportunity to, in a sense, pastor them through some spiritual stuff. And I realized like through that and through reading the scriptures, yo, a pastor doesn't have to be what we've seen for the last however many years. There are many pastors in the scriptures that don't look nothing like that. They don't wear suits, they don't talk in fancy languages or, or, or fancy tongue or whatever. Like um, these are just men who care deeply about people they shepherd people's souls, they disciple them well, and they make the text clear. Yeah. And, and at that point, I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll entertain leadership. Um, as, we, as I started pursuing that, um, I started trying to figure out, okay, what's a ministry I'd like to be involved in, though? Like what? And at the time, the church we were in, um, I think we enjoyed it for a season, but it wasn't the place where we felt like we were supposed to be, my wife and I. Okay, we started looking around and both of us came from a missionary Baptist uh, tradition and um, denomination and we loved it. But that just didn't feel natural to us at the time. Okay, we had been a part of charismatic churches like, you know, big concerts, and all, you know, and we just, you know, we yeah, we loved it. But we were like, yo, like they didn't have the emphasis on the word that we wanted, okay. then we went to like some word based churches. And they didn't know how, like, everybody's just sitting there like this during worship, you know. And, man, we were like, yo, what if we could take the worship experience from this place, the word experience from this place, the discipleship from this place, pull them all together into one place? Yes, sir. And and then another factor to that was we had started seeing some churches that were diverse, but at the core, they weren't actually multi-ethnic. When I say that, I mean... When you go on Sunday morning, you might see a white face, a black face, an Hispanic face, even on stage. Mm-hmm. if you go to their staff page yes. or you see who's like making decisions yes. or you see who is the dominant culture, you didn't get that mix of everybody pouring in. Yes, so we said, okay, if we could see, we just started kind of like praying for that. Like, can we see a church that's multi-ethnic, that cares about discipleship, that cares about the word of God, Mm-hmm. Um, has a high level or high respect and love for worship, the worship experience, and people living that out through the rest of their life. Yes. Like, that's what we want. Yeah. In praying for that, man, the Lord was like, yo, that's what you wanted. Yeah. Pursue it. Um, and I had started learning a little bit about church planning through uh, YouTube. Man. I was just like listening to sermons. And one day I heard this guy. He was like, yo, that's why we planted this church. Yeah. And that's why we we're part of this church plan organization. So I started investigating, like, what's church plan? Then I go to the scriptures. I start seeing it. Like, yo, Acts 11, Acts 18, you know, I think it's Acts 28. You're like, yo, these dudes are playing churches. Like, they're going to cities. Like, Acts 11, and Paul is going into a city. He said, I'm going to spend two years there. Exactly. And the scriptures say he was there until everybody in Asia heard of the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah, bro.
0: He's right there.
1: Paul, going to a city, he, he spends time in the synagogue un, 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 uh, unlocking the scriptures to the people who are already been hearing them. Yeah. Then he leaves the synagogue and goes to the lecture hall. Mm-hmm. And, and what he does is not just say, okay, you could be here, you could be here. He kind of pulls them together. And yeah, we see in the New Testament, in Romans, in Colossians, in Corinthians, they have tension because they're different. However, they're all brought together by Jesus Christ. We started looking at that and we started dreaming like, yo, could this happen in Daytona? Like, Could this happen here? And we did a lot of investigation and we did a lot of studies and we talked to a lot of people. And eventually we um, decided to go get trained at a church that looked like what we wanted to be a part of up in Memphis. So we spent two years in Memphis doing that. The whole time, though, our eyes were set on Daytona. The, the question we had was, uh, and this goes to why Midtown? Mm-hmm. The, one of the guys who trained me, he was doing a conference one time and I just happened to be in the room before he even knew who I was. Mm-hmm. And this other guy was in there and he's like, yo, I live in like uh, Ponock, Iowa, and I feel called to plant a church in Chicago.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: like, what do I do? Like, should I just move to Chicago? Should I talk to people about Chicago? And then we all move. And my my who a guy who's now one of my mentors, she said, yo, so what are you doing in Podunk, Iowa right now? Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, I mean, I'm just a faithful member of this church. He was like, Well, why don't you start in Podunk, Iowa, and see if the Lord actually leads you to Chicago? Yeah. Well, that was enough for me. Cause I started like just looking at our lives. I'm like, yo, what are we doing right here where we are? hmm And I felt like it wasn't a mistake that the Lord brought me all the way from Fayetteville, North Carolina, to be at Bethune-Cookman, which sits right in the middle of Midtown. That for five years of my life, that was all I experienced. And then when I was at Halifax, I ended up getting pushed into Midtown a lot of the times because there were things that they wanted me to investigate there. I went to community partnership for children, which is that handles all of the foster care in the city and the county. And I kept getting cases or seeing cases from that area, and quite honestly, I said, "Yo, people want to plant churches everywhere in all the suburb areas and all the surrounding cities, and Port Orange and Ormond and Holly Hill. Who wants to go to Midtown? Well, I do, and nobody else does. The Lord says that we can do it, and that's where I want to go. I want to be amongst the people who I'm familiar with, and I also want to bring people from the outskirts into Midtown." so that they can start to bless midtown and make midtown better than what it what it currently is right. right but it's not because of them it's because of what jesus is doing not because of what we're doing or what they're doing it's because
0: of what jesus is doing uh, so I because i mean even when you think about daytona beach you think about beachside you, you think about several things no one thinks really about midtown as being a place to to plant a church to even go so when you you kept, you know, and I see your flyers or, or I saw your, um, I guess your call to actions for a while. And and even now move to Daytona, you know, move, move to Daytona. I said, man, I said, this man, he, God has given you a heart for Daytona that people from Daytona don't even have a heart for. And you know, it's crazy how you, you come from uh, North Carolina to Memphis and you have this heart, not just to spread the gospel, but for the people. And it's like, you really love the people. I was watching, um, one of your stories or or a post you made on Instagram and I guess you heard the rap music in the in the back and it made <laughs> you getting ready to go live or preach yeah. um, a sermon. And I said, but the, the joy that was in your eyes, the, the joy that was in your face where, you know, I'm getting ready to go talk to these people because I love these people. It, it wasn't where they have to be quiet. I, you know, I can't I can't get my word together. I, I can't study. I'm trying to preach the word of God. It was like these are my people. This is why God has sent me here. And When I think about pastors, we have to love the people that God has called us to, no matter what they're going through, no matter what they're hurting, you know, no matter where they're hurting at, God has called you to love them. So when I was watching that video, it was funny, but at the same time, I looked at your face, I said, man, I said, he really, he really loves these people. Yeah. You know, so that's a big part of that, that I love about your ministry or, you know, that I'm falling in love with even now, bro. So. It's it, And let me say,
1: it, it's challenging, right? Like, it, it's extremely challenging. Like every, I think every pastor, and, and specifically church planners, we have that, um, we kind of go through that Jonah thing, where God calls you to a place, and you either are, like, thrilled about it, or you aren't thrilled about it, right? There's usually not indifference. It's usually, like, you're thrilled about it, or you're not thrilled about it. I was thrilled about Daytona just because I already spent so much time there. But then when you say, yo, being called to Midtown means this. Like, it's not glorified. Like, it means this. You have a choice to make. Like, Jonah had a choice to make. He could have said, yo, I'll go to Nineveh. Matter of fact, I'm going to love one of the people in Nineveh. I'm going to care for the people in Nineveh. I'm going to set up in Nineveh for a little bit. He was yeah. like, nah, I'm going to do the bare minimum. Actually, I'm not even going to try to do that. <laughs> and then when I'm first to I do the bare minimum. And a lot of times in ministry, that's what we do. We're like, yo, I even if I'm preaching every Sunday, even if I'm putting together a great service, I'm doing the bare minimum for the people. I'm doing the bare minimum for the area. And one thing we we always said was we want it to be incarnational. We want it to be missional and incarnational. What does that mean? We're not we don't want to just plant a church in midtown. We want to be in midtown. Like we want people to see us and know us in midtown. Like it, we're very much still working on it. Like, it's not easy, you know, because when you do ministry in the urban context, it's about trust. People, people gotta know who you are. You such and such son, you such and such grandson, you, you the pastor at such and such church. And, and it takes people a while to get used to that, but you have to put yourself in the position to where people get to see you. So when we start thought about getting an office space, you know, we were presented with an opportunity to get an office space downtown in this fancy, like nice redone office space. And yo, we chose a little small parcel in the hood. Like I'm talking about, it's us, the clean, the dry cleaners in front of us, the laundromat right beside us, a tattoo shop and two pawn shops and a corner store. And Am Scott on the other side of that. Like it's not fancy but you we feel like if we're going to be in the neighborhood we need to be in the neighborhood like yeah. we need to 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 be able to shine light um and I'm not saying we're doing that perfectly there's a lot we got to work on yeah. but I just feel like you can reach people better if they know you're there and if they trust you
0: mm-hmm. that's that's my one regret I I was a student um pastor or leader in North Carolina at my time there and the church was in Shelby, North Carolina, Mount Calvary Baptist Church, man. And I, and I love that church. I love the people still talk to to many people there. But the church was in Shelby, North Carolina. I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, an hour and some change away from the people. And that's my one regret when I think about it is that I wanted to be amongst people so bad to, to make football games and basketball games and plays. But when you stay an hour and some change away and you have a family, it is very hard to – to make those type of sacrifices. So if I could do that again, I would say, you know what, it's not just be, it's not just about teaching Bible studies or, or sermons. You want to be amongst the people. You know, you want to build relationships amongst the people because then it helps your studies. It helps you to know what you want to well, what you need to teach on. You can you can be teaching on something completely different and no one in that community is going <laughs> it's completely different from Shelby, North Carolina. <laughs> my, my my first time there, uh, my apartment was um was by the mall and I said, okay i'm by the mall and i told my wife oh i'm good i'm by the mall and then the mall the the main store in the mall is like a marshall's but i'm thinking wow this is as big as that shelby north carolina gets but but my point is this is that when you're preaching or when you're ministering or when you are discipling people it is so important to know what they're going through and where they're hurting at you know, the needs of the people. And that was the disconnect um, that I, I reflect back on in my time in ministry in North yeah. Carolina. So, Well, let, let me, if, if, if I can, let me speak to that a little bit. Um, and again,
1: I want to, I want to stress this. Like I'm young, I'm young in ministry. I'm young in all of these things. So I, of course we, we haven't perfected anything. Right. But we're still practitioners and everything, but there, I think there are some things that can help with that. So like we just moved. So we lived in midtown. And bro, it was tough, it was tough. Like they're not houses built for families our size. Like most of the houses that we could rent were three ones, you know, on three ones, 800 square feet, 900 square feet, that's tough. It's hard to have people over when your house is like 800 square feet, right? You know, I mean, you can still do it, but I mean, there were shootings right across the street. When I tell you like 400 yards away, there's shootings and people selling drugs. So we kind of incarnated, but at the same time, our family needed the freedom to kind of be away um, in a sense. Um, and when we moved, I felt that, that struggle, like I felt that like, man, it was hard for me. Like it still is hard for me. But what I try to tell our people is there are a lot of different ways you can be and incarnational without living here, right? So like go to the same stores, mm-hmm. like whenever you go get gas, get gas in that area. You know what I'm saying? Like always gas up in the area that you're serving the ministry. When you want to go get something to eat, get something to eat where they get something to eat at. Okay. Like I tell our people, um, well, I have told our people a few times because some of our people live far out. I say like, before you leave Midtown, stop somewhere. Like go eat at that place or stop somewhere or drive around. You know because that even if you're not living in the area where you do ministry you can still do life in the area that you do ministry right so like i'm, I'm trying to like hit the corner store. like i'm i'm trying to be purposeful i don't even drink or eat half of the stuff that's in there but i'm like yo if that's where people are i need to like show up i need them to see my face like i love to iron bro like ironing is great for me like that's like a spiritual thing for me yeah but I need to start putting some of my clothes in the dry cleaner because there are people there and I get to interact with them every day if I put my clothes in a dry cleaner there. And I just gotta be real, I learned some of that in Memphis. Like um, one of the guys who disciple me, man, um, Memphis is right next to to Mississippi. So a lot of people live in Mississippi. And what he would do is do all his business in Memphis. So he would drive from Mississippi up to Memphis And he, he put his clothes in the cleaners in Memphis. He ate in Memphis. He did like everything he had to do. He did it in Memphis. So that people in Memphis knew, yo, he loves Memphis. He's doing life in Memphis. So like for young guys, if you, if you're not in the midst of the place where you do ministry, at least like uh, try to do some life in the place you do ministry, go eat there, go to the gas stations there, meet the
0: people there, spend your money there and -hmm. let people know that you care about that area. Yeah, yeah. Let Let's deal with um. I I and it may be a tension. It it may not, but I too was raised in the church. Um, you know, and most of the churches were predominantly predominantly black. No, you you have to stress on I guess the multi ethnic part of it. How how can I say this? did you, did you catch any slack with it? Did you catch any resistance with wanting to, to go that route via social media? Why do you want to build that type of church when, you know, you can easily be, maybe you can be grandfathered into a Baptist church or you can apply or that type of thing. What, what led you to answer that first? Um, Did you catch any resistance with, with your heart for, for that type of church? Yeah, I don't, we didn't
1: catch any, or we haven't caught any, um, like initial resistance. I think it's, uh, I'm trying to think of an analogy, like um, it, it's like uh, <laughs> like everybody thinks certain things are good ideas, but not everybody wants to do the work to have those certain things. Right. So I think that's kind of how a lot of people have approached the idea of a multi-think church. Um, and then maybe people have just resisted in um, sharing their opinion on it. But for the most part, no one was like, ah, oh, why would you want to do that? It was more so like, oh man, that sounds like a great idea. Tell me how, tell me how it works. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I'm not gonna come, I don't want to be a part of it, I'm not even gonna send people to it. Yeah, but it sounds great. It sounds like a great idea, right? Um and I think uh, Daytona wasn't quite ready for that idea in that type of way, and specifically midtown right so that that has created a challenge mm-hmm. um and and more than um having opposition on the white side, we've seen the struggle of just getting it to make sense to my black brothers and sisters, you know, because man, I grew up in the black church, I love the black church, like I mean I was we were talking the other night I was like, yo, I think i might I think I might go to the black church, go back to the black church mm-hmm. uh but um one thing about man the black church historically is man it's been a safe haven for us yeah it's been an opportunity for us to be with our people not have to like change our language or you know the way we talk what how we feel politically um it's been a place for us to wail and mourn together you know um so for a lot of black people a multi-ethnic church where you kind of rob yourself of some of those things does not make sense yeah You know, um, quite simply that a lot of black people feel like they just can't be themselves fully in a multi-ethnic church. So I am aware that a multi-ethnic church is not for everybody. Like, I don't don't say like this is the solution to the world's problems. You know, some people think that. Some people are like, yo, the only way we're gonna get past race issues is a multi-ethnic church. No, it's not. Like, read Corinthians. Like, (laughs) they were like having issues centered around ethnicity. And they were all in the same church. So I don't, believe, I don't believe that the multi-ethnic church is the answer for all of the issues that we see in the world, but I think it's right for right people, for the right people. Yeah. So um, for my wife and I, we were like kind of in those spaces in our work week before we moved into ministry. And I think both of us kind of had this interest or maybe curiosity of what it could be like to share life with people who did not look like us. Um, and and three, well, we're only a year post-launch. We've been kind of doing the work for about three years. It's difficult, man. It's like one of the most difficult things we've ever done, but we feel like it, it glorifies God. I mean, I can't get past Revelation 7 and 9 where it says people of all tribes, sons, and nations will be together at the foot of the cross, you know, and all of us will be saying, holy, 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 right? um why not get a bit of that now yeah you know and why not use that to leverage some of the things uh, that we want to see happen in our cities in our nation in the world um every relationship won't be changed by the multi-ethnic church but some of them will there are older white people in our church who have never worshiped with black people before and now they're doing it there are older white people who have thought things about Black people for years, and now they finally get to talk to them about it. There are younger Black people who have, you know, their own set of maybe prejudices or thoughts. And now they kind of got to wrestle with those because they're in relationship with people who don't look like them. And then let's talk about a, there's a material aspect to it, too. Like, you have a financial help, in a sense, when you have people from different demographics, different um, different um, economic backgrounds, all pouring into the same church. We can now do missions in a, a, a different way. We can care for the, the family down the block in a different way. We can support each other financially in a different way because we're pulling people from different places. Okay. And and the last thing I'll say is, my biggest hope is that Christ is glorified and, and Daytona is, is um, is maximized in its potential because of what the multi-ethnic church is doing in that particular area.
0: Because
1: just as you said, like I am a, I'm an evangelist for Jesus first, but I'm an evangelist for Daytona as well. You know, and I want, I want Daytona to be made better by those people who love Jesus.
0: i I tell you, I I did my first degree in Jacksonville and I was under um, HB Charles at Shiloh. Yeah. um, it was at a time where they bought a pro or they took over a church at Orange Park. Orange Park. Yeah, and I was interning at the Orange Park campus, but they were merging these two churches, so I saw this like, tension amongst black people on one side, white people on the other side. I'm thinking, wow, this is crazy that we're in the same building, you know, and we're just as segregated as you know. I'm thinking this is every Sunday, black people on this side white people on this side. And then, you know, some people left, um, from the black congregation and from the white congregation, because some cannot see worshiping together. And I said, man, this is, and and I I thank God for allowing me to see that, um, during that time. So when I saw that that's what you were doing and I'm looking at how shallow a well-established church who has salaries and who has staff, I said, man, you were struggling with it on, on this level. So let me send some prayers towards Byron because I know that if you're struggling with it. I know that there are some struggles and some tensions yeah. uh, in Midtown Daytona. So it is, it is definitely uh, applauded, man. Your your work and your, your efforts towards that. Give me one one frustration because a lot of times the ministry, or especially on social media, mm-hmm. a lot of things being celebrated. You know, um, we fed five hundred families with book bags and, you know, we had 50, 100 people came and gave their life to Christ. And it's such a celebrated type of atmosphere. Um, but I, I want to encourage some young aspiring pastors who may be thinking about, well, maybe church planning is for me. What what would be one piece of advice that you would give yourself or that you would give that young man who who is like you came to a church and said, ah, that's not really for me, you know? Yeah. Experience the charismatic churches, and uh, it's not really for me, what would you tell that person who's thinking, maybe church planting, maybe that's a route that I should take? Yeah, Yeah, um, I think one
1: piece that I would share is, be ready to hear way more no's than what you expected. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes those no's won't even be verbalized, (laughs) like you'll just have to pick up on them. But when you're church planting, you're constantly sharing vision, trying to pull people into this vision and trying to entrust people to live out that vision. And um, one thing that more established churches have is uh, usually the structure that will keep that church together for a while, because that church has probably already been together for a while with a church plant. Everybody is important. Like literally, I mean, if five people don't show up, you feel it. Like, you know, Um, and there will be, uh, people who will be coming and going and that's fine, but there will also be some expectations in your heart for people to be there who may not come, who may not communicate about coming or not coming, who you may have deep relationships with, who will never be a part of the work that you're doing or, or that God is using you to do. Um, my advice to that church planner is, or to that potential church planner is, Man, just get your heart used to hearing no, being let down, and understand that if God called you to the work, that it will work out. It just probably won't work out the way that you thought it was gonna work out. Um, for us, like that, we, that, was a huge part of our experience. Was um, to be quite honest, I think we were a bit naive. I thought, you know, I think we were like, "Yo, we're gonna come back to the city." We're going to bring this new type of church. It's going to be different. And we, ha- we already have young friends. There are already young believers who are connected to in the area. Uh, I believe that the Lord will allow for them to partner with us to, to create this thing. And um, we, it just wasn't in, in, in God's plan, I guess, for that to happen that way. Uh, so we've had to make adjustments, not so much in what we do, but in our expectations. You know? Um, and for me, that's hard because I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm like on my worst wing, like I'm a people pleaser, you know what I'm saying? And at the same time, I want people to be, um, I want people to, to like what we're doing. I want people to be engaged. I want people to be connected. So if people aren't that I personalize that, you know, and, and here's another lesson for that potential person is, um, when you're pastoring and specifically when you're planting, you have to work hard to depersonalize because it's not about you. Like it's not about you. It's easy to say it's not about you when you have success. That's easy. You, everybody seen that pastor who's like, it ain't about me. This is about the Lord. We fed 5,000 people, blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, 3,000 people were added to us today, but it ain't about me. It's really hard to say it's not about me when you're taking L's. That's,
0: <laughs> brother that is a word all by itself bro yeah because that that's another part of ministry that we don't discuss you know amongst pastors or maybe the, that the congregations don't see is when we take an L how, how we feel about it maybe maybe you delivered a sermon and you feel like it didn't the message didn't get across and you the pastor or the minister he may go home thinking man that 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 wasn't that wasn't good I, I took an L today you know um I talk to my wife on the way home sometimes and she always told me, she said, look, if you didn't do well, I'm not I'm not going to bring it up. I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just going to ask you what you want to eat and, you know, we'll kind of move on from it. But the internalization that a lot of pastors go through, once we get home, anytime I've had to deliver a message, I'm still thinking about a message on on the way home. I'm still thinking about what, what other way I could have communicated that a little bit more clear um, from that angle. So, so you, uh, so yeah. I, and I have a hard time, like,
1: I mean, and this is not a pun, or this is not a punch at any other pastor, but I have a hard time, like, spiritualizing stuff from, you know, to make it spin. Like, so it's hard for me to be like, uh, the Lord had a different plan for this family, so uh, we're going to love on them as they go to this other church. It's like, nah, they just didn't like what we were doing. <laughs> and they decided to leave. Like, I have a hard time doing that spiritual twist on it so it's hard not only is it hard for me to wrestle with it's hard for me to communicate sometimes yeah um and and i think one way that the lord uh one way that i I think the lord is molding me in my ministry is i want to try to be as authentic as possible right like i want to the, the same way i am on monday i want to be that way on sunday right so again taking those ills is hard while you're standing in front of people because you know, you unless you want to do that spiritual twist, you gotta admit that yo, sometimes these things don't work out. And and the thing is the scriptures show us that, right? Like Paul is not like, yo, Barnabas was called to a different thing. Paul was like, nah, we yo, we had to split because we didn't agree. Like, well, at least you know, Luke wrote that about Paul. You know what I'm saying? Like the Bible shows this very real life. Uh, interactions with relationships and and how things work and the sovereignty of God. We didn't we didn't twist Judas like going and and, and delivering the Savior. Like we didn't make that a good thing. John, John has some very harsh things to say about Judas. He's like, yo, he's a he's a backstabber, he betrayed us and all those things, right? Like I think that long term blesses people more than it than it hurts people. Right. Um, And and I do want to say, like, pastors, we have to we have to not be too vulnerable, but we we also have to be authentic. We have to be fully authentic. There's a a pastor in, in Atlanta. His name is Dahadi Lewis. He says authenticity is the number one evangelistic tool of our day.
0: Authenticity. So, man, work to be authentic. Yeah. 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 And and back to your messages, even when you preach, I, sometimes I tune in and I say, it doesn't, there's a Byron. It doesn't seem like there's a, a big shift from, I believe that if I met you in one of the markets, it would be the same person who I hear preaching about or speaking on Sunday morning when, you, when your church goes live um, from that thing. I want to address this because you probably know, like most, like some people know as far as the decline of church attendance, um and maybe it'll, it will always be like that but for those who are tired of the traditional church yeah and they look at your church and say this is something this is something different what what could they expect from identity church from a from a church plant what would be different um uh, for those who want to kind of see something different in, in yeah. church yeah i i think the biggest thing is that we look at sunday morning as the
1: huddle so um you know, I think it's very appropriate. Dugout, man. Like, you got that circle up, you got that huddle, but we all have to go play our positions on our own. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean we're sitting down. That means we're in the game, and we have to work. And what I mean by that is, like, we we love the Sunday morning worship experience, but what we want to do is push a lot of the excitement into our week. How are you living out your faith throughout your week? Right. Um, and how can we talk about that? How can we grow from that? How can we um See that uh, exemplify in the greatest way. Um, our Sunday morning worship experience, though, is different. It's really, it's really different. So we meet in a school, um, so that that's one barrier. <laughs> you know, people are used to walking into a church building. We've had people walk in and they don't know what to do. Right. Uh, we meet in a school. We sit on like um, cafeteria tables that are made into benches. Um, I don't usually wear a suit. You know, I am usually dressed pretty much like how I'm dressed today. Um, my sermons are 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 uh, you know they're textual, not to say other people's aren't, but my sermons are textual, um, and I try to incorporate a lot of application in those things. Um, <laughs> there are just a lot of things that are different about us, and I think for the average churchgoer, it can be a bit of a shock. It can be a bit of a shock, but we think that um, for some people that's worth, that that's needed, especially for people who have, are heavily churched in um, their youth. Sometimes they need something a little bit different. They need a different experience for that particular portion in their life. I've seen people who are churched at, as young people, and then they go to like a non-traditional church, and then they end up back in a traditional church. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I also see some people who and they grew up in such and such missionary Baptist, and they died such and such missionary Baptist, and that's it, you know. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. I just think we have to provide spaces for people to feel comfortable and uncomfortable, um, but safe and uh, able to grow and all of that. So yeah. um, now, what's funny about your question is we are actually starting to question ourselves about a lot of that, right? So um, I think there are some churches that can be too non-traditional. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially if you're looking to uh, have black people be a part of it you know like let's just be honest like most of us if we went to church when we were young it was traditional like it was extremely traditional so there are elements of that that you don't even know you miss until you're not in it you know until you're up there and you don't do doxology or you're not doing the right hand of fellowship or you know like you're not singing this particular song when, when offering goes around you don't realize you even miss it until you're away from it. So we are we're in this weird space where if we're going to serve Midtown and we want people to be a part of our church from Midtown, then we got to start bringing some of those elements back. Now, that we're, I still am probably not going to wear a suit on Sunday, right. but but there are certain elements we're questioning right now about bringing back into that that gathering so that people can. Um, get at least a bit of the structured traditional church. You know, one thing that's happened in the last 20, 30 years is we've kind of demonized tradition and man, there is nothing wrong with tradition. <laughs> like the church would not exist if there, if we didn't uh, hold on to tradition and especially to the young black Christians out there. Like I know that we don't want to do church as usual or we don't God. we can't fit God into a box. All those buzzword front, things, but I think you would be surprised at how much that tradition did something for your spiritual formation like when you when you say doxology it's it's giving you a theological foundation for where you stand
0: there are some people who go ahead. I'm sorry I'm saying when we hear the doxology it's like this is home it, it, no matter what church I walk into if I hear that doxology it connects me right back to home and now I feel more part of what's going, I feel included. You, exactly our traditions, and I think that we want our our traditions to be respected. So if your church has some of that, it doesn't have to have all of it, but exactly. a bit. Oh man, this is this is a good blend. So yeah,
1: yeah. So 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 we're looking to mix that, man. We're looking to blend that in and mix it up, and um, and and we're doing it for the sake of reaching people. Like it's not for the sake of like being cool or trendy or none of that. Like what we want to do is reach people like, that's it like sunday morning is just a gateway into your life mm-hmm. like it's just an opportunity to meet you so that we can live life with you right. you know like i want to see you on sunday and i'm gonna hit you up on tuesday and ask you can we go get a meal on thursday right. like it's not about it's not about the sunday morning worship experience we see that in the text like man they they went to the synagogue on saturday they also met in each other's homes on sunday they worshiped Uh, God together on Sunday but but they also live life with each other throughout the week so um we shouldn't downgrade Sunday but we also shouldn't like make Sunday the Super Bowl because it's not
0: I I went to um New Jersey to listen to to a seminary experience with Dr. Darius Daniels and and I I love his approach to um what you're talking about I guess as far as the huddle Mm -hmm. he made an interesting point he was saying that if we only trained you to sing in the choir or to usher, then we're doing a disservice to you that we should train you in the church to go out and serve, to go out and be good uh, to be useful to the world in, in a sense. And I said, Man, I said I never thought about that, that um a lot of churches we want you to join the choir and the usher and in small groups, yeah. but don't equip you with anything or disciple you enough to where you can walk into the world and still be confident in your faith, you know, okay. if, if ask you questions questions about anything that you have a strong foundation um in terms of what you believe, you know, why you believe it and, and not be offended with another person's belief. What what seminary did teach me is it was it was the first time or or I guess over the last seven years, I got to hear the thoughts of other people who are who are also made in the image of God who have different thoughts and and I came to appreciate that there's something, you know what, you're all you don't think the way I do. But you're also um, made in the image of of yeah. that I don't have more God in me the way, you know, and you don't have that we can come together and, and appreciate these differences amongst each other and, and it made my life so much more um full and, and more confident that I can look at anything and not be offended by another person's belief. This is there's there's God in you and I and, and I love this God in you and, and I want you to love this God in me, man. So so awesome, man. good stuff man good stuff yeah so uh any last words bro? any anything that you want to leave the people with um as far as how to connect with you your church um we reach that yeah yeah so um for all
1: all you know leaders pastors planners whatever i love to connect with you i love following pastors and planners i love i mean i steal from everybody let me tell you so i believe in stealing um, not stealing, you know, I'm not going against the Thou should not steal commitment, but I believe in borrowing. Yeah. Um, and I also want people to borrow from me. Like, I think we make each other better. Like, I think pastors need other pastors and church planters need other church planners to talk, to go through ideas, all that stuff. Um, if you're not, if you're just, you know, a, a regular parishioner or a, a church member or whatever it may be, thank you for living out your life as a Christian and you are just as important if not more important than we are as pastors and planters because whenever i walk into a room somebody asks me what i do and i say i'm a pastor they kind of shut down when you walk into a room and you say what you do they'll probably give their ear just a little bit more and you have an opportunity to share jesus with them in a way that we may not be able to do all the people who are in daytona i want you to connect with us seriously um i would i take anybody i'll take anybody out there Breakfast, lunch or dinner. I'll take anybody out for coffee. I love paying for meals. I love talking to people. I love connecting with people. So the best way to get connected with us is through our website. It's IdentityDaytona.org. It's IdentityDaytona.org. And then we're Identity Daytona on everything. Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. We don't have Snapchat. We don't, uh, we're working on uh, TikTok and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? But but we're Identity Daytona and all of that. And, and, and even if you aren't uh, somebody who will ever come to our church, I still want to get connected to you because I am not just focused on Identity Daytona and what identity can do in our city. I'm focused on the big C church. Like this is about all of us. This is about making sure that Jesus Christ's name is known in our city to the end of the earth. Um, And and anything we can do to to make that happen, I am for, I am very much for that. Last thing I want to say before I get up, because people say I don't do this well. Um, We are looking for people who want to be a part of this. Like we are looking for people who you may have feel called to like something new. You may feel like, hey, I have been living in this this kind of like... uh, church culture and I don't feel like I've been really uh, doing the work of an evangelist or a missionary or living my faith that well. Maybe I want to connect with some people who don't look like me. Man, come talk to us. I'd love to see if identity is a good place for you. Um, and then maybe you're a pastor, a minister, a, you know, somebody who's investigating a call to pastoral ministry. And we have pastoral residence positions that we, we are opening up. We have a lot of different ministry opportunities that we're willing to open up. And I'd love to just spend some time and talk to you. We wanna make sure that in a hundred years, Identity Daytona is still in Daytona, right? Not for
0: us, but for the glory of Jesus Christ man that is an awesome brother you you are a, a you are just as solid of brother man and humble at the same time as 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 i expect you to be um man so i appreciate you bro it is an honor thank you for your time listening team that's our time this is transform the game podcast i'm your host richard and jr i want to thank our um guest for today pastor uh byron Cogdale, brother appreciate you man that's the buzzer game over